the background is we were having discussions after all of the episodes and realized that we were making some really good points. Uh, <laughs> Connecting the, some dots that were just you and I were hearing. <laughs> yeah, so like, hey, let's uh, record some of these. So uh, at least a semi-regular feature, if not a regular feature, will be some of these analyses, depending on how good I guess they turn out to be. Welcome to a bonus analysis and discussion episode with the hosts of the Path Distilled podcast. In these episodes, we talk about the guests that we just had on, how it connects to the guests we've had in the past, and give our take on what you've heard. Well, that was uh, an amazing journey. That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's always, it's cool to hear anybody's story, right? But I think obviously you and I enjoy hearing the musician stories because they're so varied. Everybody has different motivations, different, you know, histories and things that get them involved in music, different, I think you can hear different motivations and goals that they're trying to pursue. And so it's always very cool to, to hear those stories. And that makes what the fifth person, uh, he might have been joking, but that's at least the fifth person that was in some kind of health care field that ended up or pursuing some kind of healthcare field or at least spoke of doing that, ended yeah. up in music. So what big takeaway did you have? I think there was a couple of things that stood out to me. One was that he was just he gets on right at the the end of the podcast uh talking about his thoughts and you know, kind of battling bad thoughts and trying to trigger good thoughts. But it struck me how he seems to, I won't say put himself down, because I don't think he puts himself down, but he he would talk about not being the best, right? That there are always people better and that he actually tried to pursue learning from those people and playing with those people. But he also didn't seem shy or afraid of putting himself out there right like he he said he was always the one to go after getting into these bands so as i said it, i don't it didn't sound to me like he was putting himself down but almost more like a humility that he has for himself that at least from the things that he told us didn't seem to get in the way of him going after the things that he wanted so that was i think one big thing that stood out to me yeah, it kind of reminded me of the comment he made right at the end about if the door is even cracked see what's in yeah and i think that was another piece of it that stood out was he it sounded like he always was kind of and you use this language i think or version of it a couple of times of like well let me see you know and so well, let me see and then once he got in the door on the other side then he would set goals if it was something he wanted to go after same with like he was talking about the podcast well let me see okay now i'm gonna set goals i think it's a very interesting way to approach it right yeah and i wish that i would have asked that would have been uh the the era that he was in near seattle would have been right before that uh so-called Seattle Sound broke. Mm -hmm. So I wonder how much uh, that influenced him or if at all, I know he alluded to part of that, but he didn't really, we didn't uh, ask any follow-ups or he didn't dig too deeply, but. I find it interesting though too, that it seems right, like he was completely self-taught right from the beginning, you know, playing with his cousin and then learning these songs, you know, on his own. And then when he would go and 
try out for these bands and just learning teaching himself how to play the song and the, you know to get into that band um and i think relatedly it's interesting that the one the one band he played for um that it sounded like he enjoyed but at the same time then got to go play for another band where he called it liberating because he didn't have to write songs he didn't have to be like you know take ownership over the band he just got to go out and it sounds like do what he loved which was play the music and have that experience of playing the music and being a part of a band or being on you know on stage and being a part of that i was impressed with how he was able to allow himself to be mem- a member or um, be associated with so many different bands across the uh, his career. I think that uh, the drive comes out as, in that as well. Mm-hmm. It also makes me curious about you know people today who are interested in music, right? Like what, where does that interest come from? Because for him, you you know he's right at the beginning starts talking about the influence of his mom always playing music records right like he talked about the album covers which I think was a very prevalent thing back in those times where people loved the album covers and then it switched to the music videos and you know it was the sound combined with those things and it made me curious about now I wonder Mm. what you know interests people about it now so we don't really have we don't have album covers we don't have cd covers we don't I know people still do make some music videos, but I think it's it's different than what it used to be when, you know, that was a part of like our culture. I know for me it was, you know, you'd go home from school or on the weekends, you're watching MTV music videos, right? Because that was such a, a big piece of it that tied you into the music. The double cassette has come up in, in more than one interview as well, mm-hmm. whether it be um, the musician, learning to play or I think it might have been uh, someone else was talking about basically doing a, a version of uh, DJing from it they would mix the songs by playing I forgot who the guest was but uh, they would mix songs basically with that double cassette so kind of what you're getting at those don't really exist I guess we have enough software though that a kid that wants to do it has the tools that they can be professionally done at this point but that's yeah, no, no longer available. And I think there's obviously still a lot of creativity, but it's different in today's world than it was then. I'll, I'm going to put it out there that if a producer wants to make a hip hop song with me, <laughs> I think that would be a good, a good, a good selling point. I think the other thing that jumps out, jumped out to me about his story, and this has come up not just in the musicians that we've interviewed, but across multiple different domains is that I'm always just so fascinated to hear about people's different perspectives and different definitions of success and what they're searching for in their careers, right? You know, he used that word fulfilling at one point that the one band he played for wasn't fulfilling. And now it seems like a lot of the things he's doing are for that aim and also in, you know, to give back in some ways and, you know, to uh, be a part of he said he always wants to be a part of music right so it's just I, I think it's fascinating right to hear about what different people are looking for and searching for and how they define success and why they pursue different things I've been thinking a lot about that lately in the sense that you know he talked about getting 
the salary, I think somebody else mentioned the salary was nice, but um, for a lot of people just making the living off of their passion, you know, that to, that's all the success they would need. Mm-hmm. And then others want the platinum records. And I guess anybody might actually be, a, you know, obviously if you're going into an industry where that's the pinnacle of success, you would be okay with it. But for some people, success is just making a living from whatever it is that they love or are pursuing. And I think his story shows that it can look different for a lot of different people, right? He was a, he's been a part of a lot of different bands. He was a part of, it sounds like still a part of, you know, a band where the leader of the band has, you know, obviously a huge storied career as well. Um, yeah, you know, he, he took a job doing sales in Brooklyn. He sounds like has a full-time job now. And then when COVID hit, took a job for UPS, right? Like I think it can look different ways for different people. And we often don't assume that, right? The, the pinnacle of success means that you've, you've quote unquote made it and you don't have to do all those other things, which may or may not be true. Yeah. And that's fascinating to think of um, Duff McKagan taking the subway to his, I'm assuming, <laughs> apartment or house. Um, you know, during that, it's uh, it's just a fascinating image. Yeah, people always comment on that here in New York City when you're on the subway and you see some so, some version of celebrity right on the subway with you, and it's like, right, there are people too, and. Who knows? Yeah, they might have been in that hit TV show or movie or whatever it is, right? Uh, have that famous song, but then they're living their life just like every else, everybody else, you know? So I thought that was interesting to you to hear about, you know, some of the different jobs he's had and um, kind, of, kind of going in and out of music, but sounds like the goal was always to be in music in some way, despite whatever else happened or whatever else he needed to do. Yeah, and that was a poetic or literary type image of the camper that they talked about converting. Mm-hmm. That just looks like the opening to a, a story that you would see on TV or a movie, but or the beginning of a book. It's just, it was powerful. Yeah, and he also talked at one point kind of the dark time, right? Thinking that this one band that he was involved with was, it sounded like, you know, going to make it right and get this you know contract and, and all these other things and maybe sounds like that was quite a defining moment in what he was trying to pursue and be a part of as well um, and then it also really struck me and i have mentioned this before with another musician that we talked about you know what he talked about in terms of being on stage and the time afterwards you know and that feeling yeah. that you get uh, i've mentioned before that one of my former master students, Max Pollock, did his thesis with me on uh, the experience of flow during an onstage performance in musicians. And that was something that very much got brought up that there's this kind of dark side to flow that that can be very addictive, right? To have that experience on stage and it can be experienced in different ways and felt in different ways, but they're always searching for it. And that's just also us as humans, right? I mean, you know, our basic kind of Uh, hormones and neurotransmitters that dopamine rush and that uh, we need more and more and more of it as we experience it so it's like that next goal that bigger thing that you know searching to feel that feeling again it sounds like musicians 
because of the way it's set up, they get that on stage and then they have this body of time, right? That is outside of those onstage experiences that they're trying to, to feel that as well. Well, you made me think three things and I lost all of them. <laughs> Thanks everybody. The Path Distilled is hosted by Kevin Harris and Lauren Tashman, created and produced by Kevin Harris. The content is copyrighted by The Path Distilled, all rights reserved. <laughs>